My beloved brothers and sisters, my heart is full to overflowing today. You and I have been partakers of the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is His Church. It bears His name, and His prophet today has lifted you and me from the shackles of this earth even to the spires of eternity. Our upraised hands, I feel, are supported by our pledged hearts. The kingdom of God moves forward in its undeviating and eternal course. You with me remember assembling here in the tabernacle that chill day in December when we paid tribute to the memory of President Harold B. Lee. Prophetic in his utterance, powerful in his leadership, devoted in his service, President Lee seemed to instill within each one of us a personal quest for excellence. Frequently he would instruct, keep the commandments of God, follow the way of the Lord. One day later, in the Holy Temple on this block, President Lee's successor, President Spencer W. Kimball, was chosen, sustained, and set apart. Humble in his nature, untiring in his labor, powerful and inspiring in his testimony, President Kimball urged that we follow the course charted by President Lee. And then he spoke almost the same words. He said, Keep the commandments of God. Follow the way of the Lord. Walk in his footsteps. That day as I journeyed home, those words were upon my mind. And then upon arrival at my home, I happened to glance at a little travel brochure, which had arrived several days earlier. It was printed in breathtaking color and written with persuasive skill. The reader was invited to visit the fjords of Norway, the Alps of Switzerland, all in one package tour. Yet another offering suggested that the reader come to Bethlehem, the cradle of Christianity. The closing line was written in a simple style, but with a moving appeal. It said simply, Come and walk where Jesus walked. There coursed through my mind the words penned by the poet and occasionally rendered in song by this magnificent choir. I walk today where Jesus walked in days of long ago. I wandered down each path he knew with reverent step and slow. Those little lanes, they have not changed. A sweet peace fills the air. I walk today where Jesus walked and felt his presence there. I knelt today where Jesus knelt, where all alone he prayed, the Garden of Gethsemane. My heart felt unafraid. I picked my heavy burden up, and with him by my side, I climbed the hill of Calvary, where on the cross he died. I walked today where Jesus walked and felt him close to me. My dear brothers and sisters, we need not journey to the Holy Land 
to feel him close to us or to walk where he walked. We can walk the pathways walked by Jesus when with his words upon our lips and his spirit within our hearts and his teachings within our lives, we journey through mortality. I would hope, however, that we would walk as he walked, with confidence in the future, with an abiding trust in his Heavenly Father, and with a rich outpouring of love for all mankind. You may say to me, what are some of the pathways walked by Jesus, which likely we shall walk? And I would answer quickly, Jesus walked the path of disappointment. You remember his lament over the holy city when he cried out, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. How oft would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen doth gather her brood beneath her wing, and ye would not. Jesus also walked the path of temptation. That evil one with the most clever cunning he could conjure said to the Lord after the Lord had fasted for forty days and forty nights and was hungered, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And the Lord answered, Man shall not live by bread alone. Again came the clever appeal, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. Again the answer, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again the third time, The kingdoms of the world and the glory of them will I give thee, if thou wilt bow down and worship me. The answer was firm, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Consider yet another path, even the path of pain. Think of Gethsemane. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. And again he prayed, being in agony. And the record reveals that his sweat was as great drops of blood falling to the ground. And who can forget the pain, the cruelty of the cross, his words of anguish, I thirst. Yes, you and I will walk the path of disappointment Due perhaps to a loved one not taught, an opportunity lost, a power misused, we'll walk the path of temptation. For the devil must have the power to tempt the children of men, otherwise they could not become agents unto themselves. And we'll walk the path of pain. We can't go to heaven on a feather bed. The Lord entered only after pain and suffering. He was the master. We are the servants. Can the servant expect more than the master? Before Easter, there must be a cross. Do we have the courage to walk these pathways? There are yet other pathways where we have perhaps an option. Consider, for example, the path of obedience. 
Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things that he suffered. Let our watchword along that pathway be that heritage bequeathed us by Samuel. To obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. And let us not forget that the end result of disobedience is captivity and death, but the result of obedience is liberty and eternal life. We with Jesus can walk the path of service. His ministry was like a glowing searchlight of goodness as he served among men. He brought strength to the limbs of the cripple. He brought sight to the eyes of the blind, hearing to the ears of the deaf, and life to the body of the dead. His parables preach power. Through the Good Samaritan, the Lord taught, Love thy neighbor. Through his kindness to the woman taken in adultery, he taught compassionate understanding. Through his parable of the talents, he taught you and me to improve ourselves and to strive for perfection. Finally, Jesus walked the path of prayer. Three great lessons from three timeless prayers. First, from his ministry. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Second, from Gethsemane. Not my will, but thine be done. And third, from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do we have the faith to walk these pathways? Today, God's prophet, President Kimball, has in effect urged that we do so. Actually, all we need to do is follow him, for he follows the pathways which Jesus walked. My first acquaintance with President Spencer W. Kimball was 24 years ago. I served as a very young bishop here in Salt Lake City then, and early one morning my telephone rang and a very cheerful voice said to me, Good morning, Bishop Monson. Yes. This is Elder Spencer W. Kimball calling from the Council of the Twelve. Could I possibly ask of you a favor? I won't tell you what my answer was. He said, on 5th South Street, behind a large building in your ward, is a small trailer house, and living in that trailer is Margaret Bird, a Navajo widow. Would you and the Relief Society Presidency pay a visit to her and extend to her the hand of fellowship and bid her a special welcome? This we did, and you know a modern-day miracle occurred. Margaret Bird became a new person. Despair disappeared. The widow and her affliction had been visited. The lost sheep had been found. And every one of us who participated in that simple human moving drama emerged a better person. In reality, the real shepherd was the concerned apostle, Elder Spencer W. Kimball, who for a moment left the ministry to the ninety and nine, and went in search of the precious soul who was lost. He did so then, he does so now. As you and I follow that example and walk the pathways which Jesus walked, let's listen carefully 
for the sound of sandaled feet. Let's reach out for the carpenter's hand, and then we shall come to know him. He may come to us as one unknown, alone, without a name. As of old by the seashore, he came to those men who knew him not. He speaks the same words, follow thou me, and sets us to the tasks which he has for you and for me to fulfill in our time. He commands, and to those who obey, whether they be wise or simple, he will reveal himself in the trials and the struggles which they shall pass through in his fellowship, and they shall learn in their own experience who he is. We discover that he is more than the babe in Bethlehem, more than the carpenter's son, more than the greatest teacher ever to live. We find that he is the redeemer of the world, the son of almighty God. Oh, he never led an army. He never fashioned a statue or painted a picture or wrote a poem. He never wore a crown or held a scepter. He never threw around his shoulder a purple robe. Jesus changed men's lives. He changed their tempers. He changed their natures. He changed their dispositions. He changed their objectives. Jesus changed men's hearts. Consider for a moment the fishermen from Galilee, even Simon. We know him better as Peter, chief among the apostles. At one time it was doubting, disbelieving, impetuous Simon. He was to remember the night that the Lord was led before the high priest. This was the night when the crowd did spit on the Lord to cover his face, to buffet him. This was the night when the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. But where was Peter? Where was Peter who pledged that he would die with the Lord? Never to deny him. The record reveals that Peter followed from afar off, even unto the palace of the high priest, and there he sat and warmed himself by the fire. That was the night he denied the Lord thrice. Amidst the pushing and the jostling and the blows, Jesus, in the agony of his humiliation, in the majesty of his silence, turned and looked upon Peter. As one chronologer described the change, he said, It was enough. Peter saw no more danger. He feared no more death. He plunged into the night to meet the morning dawn. This broken-hearted penitent stood before the tribunal of his own conscience, and there his own self, his own shame, his own weakness were doomed to that death of godly sorrow which was to issue forth in a new and a nobler birth. Peter was a changed man. Consider Saul of Tarsus, scholar, familiar with the rabbinical writings of his day. Those writings didn't touch Paul's heart. He cried out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then one day he found Jesus, and behold, all things became new unto him. From that day until the day of his death, Paul taught that we should put off the old man and put on the new, which after God 
is created in righteousness and pure holiness. Paul was a changed man. The passage of time has not altered the capacity of the Savior to change men's lives. As he spoke to the dead Lazarus, so he speaks to you and to me. Come forth. Come forth from the despair of doubt. Come forth from the sorrow of sin. Come forth from the death of disbelief. Come forth to a newness of life. As we do, and walk the paths that Jesus walked, let us remember the testimony which Jesus gave. He said, Behold, I am Jesus Christ, whom the prophets testified should come into the world. I am the first and the last. I am the light and the life of the world. I am he who liveth. I am he who was slain. I am your advocate with the Father. To his testimony, I add my personal witness that he lives, that this day his prophet, President Spencer W. Kimball, has been sustained. Of these truths I testify and leave with you my blessing. In the name of Jesus Christ the Lord, amen.